What if Jesus was really who He said He was? What if? What if? Hi everyone, I'm John and I'm part of the team here at Grace Assembly. And today I want to lead us along the journey that Alison took to discover the truth around this event called Easter. See, I'm sure we've all experienced some form of fake news event in our lives. You know, whether it's a post online or maybe it's a WhatsApp forwarded message of um, using garlic you know, to ward off COVID. We all have different kinds of fake news that we've experienced. And the truth is that there's actually a lot of misinformation and disinformation around today. You see, take a look at this image coming up on your screen. There was, there was a fake video that was spread around showing President Zelensky of Ukraine calling his soldiers to lay down their arms and to surrender. This was actually fake news. It was fake. And in order for us to find out what is fake, to determine what is fake, we need to first investigate the truth. So what is so special? What exactly is so special about this weekend that the whole world is celebrating? See, Easter is celebrated to remind us about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a significant event in history that has changed everything, changed all things. Even the calendar that we all use today, the year that says 2022, is referenced from that point in history. So did Jesus really come back to life? What Alison raised in her viral video earlier was actually something that has been raised and debated for over 2,000 years. So for us to investigate if Jesus really did come back to life, we must first determine if He truly died on that cross. Because if there was no death, then there would be no resurrection. And I would like to share with us two E's that are linked to this event of Easter, two E's. And the first E is this, the evidence of the event. The evidence of the event. See, if I need you to follow me back to the Roman Empire of about 2,000 years ago. The Romans were infamous for the way that they tortured and killed people. This was recorded about Jesus before He was crucified. It says in one of the manuscripts, in Mark 15, it says, So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, mocking him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of that purple cloak and put his clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. It was a battalion of soldiers that gathered around Jesus, and, and I can imagine those soldiers taking turns to torture and, and beat him and, and mock him. You know, the Roman soldiers were known for their brutality, and the kind of whip that they used on his back would tear the flesh out, as you can see on the screen. The, the, the hooks would grab the flesh and would tear the flesh from his back. 
And the Bible recorded that Jesus had 39 lashes over his back. By then, he probably would have bled profusely with flesh hanging off his back. And this excessive loss of blood would have caused the body to be extremely weak, resulting in shock. So from a medical standpoint, Jesus was already severely wounded and in critical condition even before the crucifixion. This this leads us to the actual crucifixion of Jesus. See, once Jesus reached the crucifixion site, the soldiers would drive metal spikes that were about 12 to 18 cm long into his hands, into his wrists, his wrists and his feet as they positioned him on a beam. And in order for the body to stay on the cross when he was raised, these spikes had to be driven through the wrists of Jesus. The wrists would carry the full weight of his body. And as these spikes were hammered into the wrists, they would crush the main nerve called the median nerve that's running through his hands. No, it would have caused him unbearable pain to experience all of this. And the same would be done to his feet. Imagine the level of pain that was running through Jesus' body that day. That excruciating pain. In fact, the word excruciating was created from this experience to describe the intense pain that came out from crucifixion. The word excruciating actually originated from the meaning of out of the cross. See, after being nailed to the cross, the soldiers would raise the cross vertically. And at this point, the force of the body weight would have dislocated his shoulders, adding further pain. You see, all that has happened thus far was actually only the beginning. Crucifixions were known to be one of the worst kinds of death for anyone to experience. And those crucified would have to go through a slow and agonizingly painful process towards death. It will honestly have been better off for someone to die quickly. So imagine him hanging on that cross. Jesus would go on to slowly die from the lack of oxygen, from suffocation also, medically known as asphyxiation. While on that cross, his body would be in, in, in an almost perpetual state of inhaling. Imagine only breathing in but never breathing out. No human would be able to survive that. So in order for Jesus to breathe properly, He had to force and push Himself upwards on the cross in order to exhale. And as He lifted His body to breathe, His scourged back would have been further mutilated against the rough wooden beam. Eventually, exhaustion would take over His body and Jesus would not have enough strength to breathe anymore, leading into cardiac arrest and eventually death. See, because of the shock and the way Jesus died through His crucifixion, His body would produce a collection of fluids around the heart and the lungs. And medically speaking, the fluid around the lungs and the heart would be like clear water. This this water would have intermingled with blood when the soldier pierced his side to confirm that he was dead. As was recorded historically, in this passage, it says, But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood 
and water. So with this eyewitness account, confirming the fluids of blood and water coming from Jesus' body, we can conclude, not just historically, but medically speaking, that Jesus did die on that cross because of crucifixion. In fact, if you go and do some research, you would notice an atheist, an atheist scholar actually said this. He said that Jesus' death as a consequence of crucifixion is indisputable. Atheist scholar says this. No one can dispute the death of Jesus. Now with this truth revealed on the death of Jesus, let's investigate if Jesus did really come back to life. See, when we observe a document historically, the closer the evidence source was to the event means it's more reliable. And the earliest evidence for the resurrection of Jesus was found in an ancient manuscript written 20 years just after Jesus' resurrection. And this piece of evidence was called the first letter to the Corinthians, written just after 55 AD by an influential scholar called Paul. It says here, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to see first, or Peter, then the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep or have died. Then He appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, He appeared also to me. See, from this writing, the evidence shows us that different people had witnessed Jesus after He had resurrected. And as many as 500 people were present together to see Him. Or some critics would claim that this was probably just a mass hallucination. But psychologists will tell you that mass hallucination is actually impossible. It's as though all of us here today, we came realizing that last night we all had the same dream right down to the detail. That's just impossible. And it's even more improbable for such things to happen with different groups of people witnessing the same person at different times. All throughout history, all throughout history, many famous and powerful people have claimed, you know, to be special or to have some supernatural power, yet every human being that was ever born died. Died. And each one of them had their remains buried in a location. However, only the tomb and the, or the grave of Jesus Christ remains empty till today. Jesus Christ is the only human that is in history to have died on the cross and come back to life. You see, what was also interesting was how the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Jesus, reacted to his death. Initially, they were all hiding and, and living in fear right after the event of the crucifixion because their, their, their Jesus Christ, their Saviour, their supposed Saviour was now dead and all hope was gone. In fact, one early account by a man called Luke, a first century medical doctor, he noted that the disciples didn't actually believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. It says here in his manuscript, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others with him who told this to the apostles, saying that Jesus had risen. 
but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. <laughs> like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. What exactly had happened? See, a short period later, history recorded that disciples were seen boldly proclaiming the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to everyone they met, even to the point of death. And this same Peter recorded here that was actually living in fear, wondering what had happened to Jesus. He went on later to write this after his after seeing Jesus resurrected in person, he wrote this many years later in a letter. He said, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. See, this Peter that was afraid, now was this same Peter that was boldly declaring the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. History records that almost all the disciples were killed or martyred for their faith. Only one of the 12 died in exile. And how was it possible that these disciples or followers of Jesus were willing to die for their faith? See, it's one thing to die for something you strongly believe in. In our world today, many people do that. They die for something that they strongly believe in. But these men, these disciples had personally witnessed the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus that had left a profound impact on their lives. They were willing to die for the truth they had experienced. Why would anyone die if something were a lie? So that's the first E about the event surrounding Easter, evidence. And the second E is experience, the experience from the event. And I want us to ask this question, why? Why did Jesus have to die and resurrect? Why is this even important today at this time? What does this even mean for you and for me? See, God, God created us to be in relationship with Him. But it was sin that separated us from God. Sin is what we go through in this present life, the destruction, the devastation, and death that comes with it. But God loves us so much that He wants to bring us back into relationship with Him. See, it says here in the Bible in John 3.16, this is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son, and this is why, so that no one need to be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. It says anyone, not those who are successful or those who finally come clean before Him, but anyone can have a whole and lasting life with Him. God didn't go, go to all the trouble of sending His Son merely to point an accusing finger at us telling the world how bad it was, but He came. He came to help. He came to put the world right again. See, this event in history took place so that you and I could experience how, how much God loves us and wants us to experience this, this whole and lasting life with Him. 
Jesus Christ went through death and resurrection so that we can experience true life. Now stay with me here because some of us may be thinking in our heads, bro, I'm not dead, man. I'm not dead. I have a life right now. I'm, I'm alive. But can I suggest that there is life and then there's existence or rather an incomplete version of what life truly is. See, this was what Jesus said himself in John chapter 10. He says, A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. But I came, Jesus came, so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. You see, sometimes what we think is giving us life is actually the very thing that is stealing life or robbing life from us that dream that we hold on to or that very established career that we're trying to pursue or that person that we're in relationship with that we cannot seem to let go but it's, it's, it's so toxic, it's eating into us. Or maybe it's that relentless pursuit for approval and envy from others that we hold on to tightly. More often, we would think that death is simply non-existence. But death sometimes could look a lot like what we're experiencing today. The fighting that we see, the wars that are going on, maybe even the anger that's inside of us, that long-held bitterness that, that we have, jealousy, envy, or even greed that we experience. See, death is what life without God looks like. We started at the beginning with what if? What if Jesus really is who He said He was? But now I want all of us to consider this question. What if there's a better way to experiencing true life? What if there's a better way to experience true life? You see, Jesus said that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He went to that cross and died a horrible death for our sin. Jesus died so that we do not need to experience death because of the wrong, regretful things that we have done. He died so that we can experience forgiveness for our sins, forgiveness for all the wrong things that we have ever done. He died so that we can experience the real and true life that is with God, with God. See, there is nothing too ugly, too bad, or too grave that God cannot forgive. If Jesus could overcome death and was raised back to life, that means nothing and no sin would be too difficult for Him to overcome. So we can come. We can come as we are because He can deal with our mess. He can deal with our mess. You see, I was like Alison in that story that we watched earlier. I thought I had it all going well for me. Yet I never truly experienced the real life with God. I was the kind of person that went for many relationships, one after the other, everyone broken again and again and again. Thinking that maybe if I find a, the right and great relationship, then it will make me feel complete 
Or maybe it's the idea of being successful in all that I do. You know, give my best and be the top because that recognition would definitely, definitely mean something, right? It would definitely hold some value and some weight. Yet after many years of striving and, and seeking the approval of people, I felt so empty. I felt so tired. And honestly, I felt like I, I was a, a dead man walking. Like an empty shell that was traveling around. It came to a point where I decided to, to move and study overseas just to be with my then girlfriend. And if you ask me, or ask any of my friends or my family members, I will honestly be the last person that will leave Singapore for any foreign land because hashtag support local. I will never do that. I will die here. I will never want to go. But I actually disrupted my national service. I left everything, traveled over there to be in that relationship overseas. However, just nearly six months into it, the relationship failed. And it was toxic on both ends. And I remember being left alone in a foreign land to pick up the pieces. I felt so betrayed, so angry. I grew so bitter. My life was so incomplete. Interestingly, interestingly it was during that period when I was experiencing, experiencing issues with my hearing. I had a blocked right ear. I couldn't hear properly with my right ear. And it was about three to four months in then. And I remember one occasion, I somehow ended up standing in a church hall much like this. And people were just singing and, and worshipping God. And even though I was standing there in a the crowd, I, I felt so alone. I felt, I felt so incomplete and so helpless. But somehow in that moment, as I was standing there feeling desperate and and just helpless, I, I decided to just say this in my heart and talk to God. And, and I said, God, if you're really real, if you're really, really real, why, why don't you just let me experience you? Just do something to let me experience you. Can you just heal my ear? It's, it's really irritating me. After I said that statement, just that simple statement to God, standing in that worship music going on, Suddenly, the person leading the worship stopped the music. Everyone quietened down. And she stepped forward and she said, there's someone here in this place that God wants to speak to today. Someone with a problem in the hearing. And God says He wants to heal you in your right ear. Whoa. And God is saying to you right now, all you need to do is just respond and surrender in worship. Then the music resumed, the worship leader went on, the person went on to sing songs. And I remember just standing there with tears rolling down my eyes because I've experienced the love of God. I felt valued, I felt known for once. I felt that God saw me and He knew me in that moment. And honestly, the healing was not important anymore. I didn't really care about the healing about my ear because if it didn't heal, it's okay. I, I, I encountered God right there and then. But the amazing thing that happened after that was as I began to lift up my hands in surrender and my voice in worship, 
my right ear had a pop sound and my ear was unblocked right there and then. I was healed by God. God had healed me in that instant. And I knew that beyond the physical healing, that moment there with God, that encounter there with Him, I experienced a deeper healing in my heart from all the anger, all the bitterness and all the hurt that I've experienced. And since then, I've, I've never looked back for, my, for what has happened in my life and moved forward and experienced God's love, that, that whole and, and lasting life in Him. That was my story with God. You see, Alison led us earlier on a discovery for the evidence surrounding this event of Easter. And as she was searching for the answers to build a viral story, the real answer she actually needed was for her own life story. How all along she felt alone, incomplete and fake because of her dad. Even to the point of calling her dad a fake father. And it was only when she began to experience the truth about her father that she was able to embrace the father's love. See, these past few moments as well, I've shared with us the evidence surrounding the event of Easter and the truth that is in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the experience from the event that God wants us to have. And today, with this truth, I want to give us an opportunity to experience true life with God. Can I invite all of us to bow our heads and close our eyes? Across this room right now, all heads bowed and eyes closed. I would like to speak to two groups of people today. The first group are those of you who believe in Jesus. Maybe you once had experienced life with God, but things may have happened along the way and you've walked away from God. See, no matter how far you've gone from God, the truth is this, God never left. He is here, He is present with His arms ready to embrace you like the father that ran to his prodigal son. And today, you want to move beyond just mere existence and into a real life, a real relationship with God. You want Jesus Christ to come back into your life as your Lord and Saviour. If that is you, no one looking around, and you say, I want Jesus to come back into my life, into my heart. If that is you, could you kindly just quickly slip up your hands. I see it and acknowledge it and you can put it down across this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands coming up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Over at the top, thank you. At the side, on the left. Thank you, thank you for listening. Across this room, as, as I'm looking across right now, if that is you, you can lift up your hands right now to say, I've, I've once experienced Jesus and I've walked away, but today I want to come back into relationship with Jesus right here, right now. Come on, quickly slip up your hand. I can see and acknowledge. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for lifting up your hands. You can put it down. Thank you. Thank you. With heads bowed still and eyes closed, I want to address a second group of us here. I want to speak to those of us who have never experienced life with God. You have never received Jesus into your life as your Lord and Saviour. And after today's presentation, you've discovered the evidence and truth behind the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today, you're tired of just mere existence 
And this is the moment that you should be making a decision that you want to experience this true life in God. You're tired of going around in circles trying to settle things your way because you know that it doesn't result in anything. And today you want to experience God's love for you, that whole and lasting life for you. If that is you in this room right now, no one looking around, would you kindly slip up your hands and I can see it and respond to you on the count of three, all right? On the count of three, just slip up your hands. If you say, I want to receive Jesus into my life, I want to give my life to Him. On the count of three, one, God loves you so much. Two, Jesus died to forgive you of your sins. Three, come on, just respond to Him right now. If that is you and you say, yes, I want to receive Jesus into my life, would you kindly slip up your hands right now across this room? Thank you, over here in the front, thank you. Anyone else, thank you. Anyone else, anyone else that says, I want to receive Jesus into my life right now. Thank you. Thank you. Those of us online as well, I want to address you. If, if you're watching online and you want to respond right now, and you say, I want to give Jesus my life, would you click on that button, on that link that is coming up right now? Thank you, Lord. Can I invite all of us to stand to our feet if, if you're able to? Let's all rise and stand to our feet. The band is going to lead us in a song, but before they do that, I want to invite those of us who have lifted up our hands to come to the front because I want to pray for you. Did you join me here in the front? I want to pray with you. Our team wants to pray with you. And maybe you, you, you weren't ready to lift up your hand earlier, but you want to respond now. Come to the front as well. So as the band leads us in this song, would you step out from your seats to come to the front? You see, Jesus took that step, that bold, courageous step towards the cross to die for us. And today I want to encourage us, come on, I want to challenge us to take that step, the bold step to come to the front and respond to Him. If you've brought a friend or if you, if you, come here. If you brought a friend, would you turn to your friend and say, hey, do you want to go down to the front? Or maybe the rest of us, if you can just turn to your left, to your right and say, hey, do you want to go to the front? I can go with you. Come, the man. Let's, let's worship. As the man leads us, let's respond. Come to the front. Come, you can come right now. You bled for me on the cross of Calvary. Calvary. I mean, if you want to respond wherever you, you are, you can come right now. Come right now. 
Thank you to those who have taken a step to come to the front. Uh, let's observe this moment. This is a sacred moment, so no movement around. Let's all join it together. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Those of us who have come to the front, just join me in this prayer. As, as a church, we are a family. We're all going to pray this together. So the Bible says, when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you are saved. So we're going to just start a conversation with God through this prayer, right? So with all his bound and eyes closed, let's pray this. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I give you my life. I give you my life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. Come and be. Come and be. The Lord and Savior of my life. The Lord and Savior of my life. Today. Today. I begin a new life in Jesus. I begin a new life in Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give God a clap offering.